Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Here's the blunt truth. Your dating profile sucks. It sucks bad. I know it does. I've seen them. And every dude that's come to get help from me has had a really, really terrible profile, but they really didn't realize how bad it actually was. I think they were driven to come get help from me because they weren't getting the matches they were expecting and they couldn't figure out why. Well, they figured out why. It's because their dating profile was all wrong. So if you want help with yours to get you better matches and the matches that you're looking for, just come to this girl. Go to kristencarney.com slash dating help. I'll make you a dating profile that is witty, but also you. It's engaging, it's interesting, and it's not a turnoff to her. So get my help. Go to kristencarney.com slash dating help, kristencarney.com slash dating help. Coming up on this week's episode of the Ask Women podcast, we have my friend Meredith on the show who is back out in the world of dating and she has many stories to share about the good, the bad, and the ugly. One tip she does share is how to initiate a conversation and razzle-dazzle a woman in the first couple of minutes of conversation. So keep listening. Women podcast. It's another episode here with Marnie Kinris. And uh, you guys know me as well, Kristen Carney. And we're here with Marnie's friend, Meredith, who is a therapist. But that's really, I guess, not what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that she's <laughs> dating again now for the first time in a while because she's recently divorced. Right, Marnie? Yes, she is. And I will let you know this. She is hot <laughs> and she has really been enjoying her dating life. And I wanted to talk to her because I feel like a lot of people are out there who are dating women who are in similar positions. Um, and I also want to hear her point of view on how dating is different now from when she didn't have kids and was single in her 20s. Um, and then what's going on now, what the problems are that she's facing, her frustrations, just so that men can hear from a single woman about what's going on from their point of view. So Meredith, thank you so much for coming on to our show today. I'm so excited to be here and tell you everything I know. So start, start telling us what okay. is going on with so, dating. <laughs> so I'm dating and I am really enjoying Tinder. I clean up on Tinder. I do terrible on the other apps. But hmm, interesting. What other what other apps are you talking um, about? You know, you told me to get on Hinge and I didn't want to because I didn't want to know anybody that I kind of know through association. I really just wanted to cast a wide okay. net. And uh, what okay. was the other one? It wasn't match, but it was more of the like more Bumble? kind of yes, it was Bumble. It's like a more stable one. Um that really didn't work for me. It was terrible. What was wrong? Can, exactly. can you elaborate? Nobody, yeah, like, like Christian's very, like, that's where very, I met people. I know. Very few people matched with me. And I don't know what was so terrible about my profile. Or maybe I was, just wasn't as involved on it as I was on Tinder. But it was just very underwhelming. So I got rid of it really fast. Was it the same profile yeah. that you used for your Tinder? 
Exactly. Because it's essentially the same. the same setup. Okay, so it was the yes. same. Interesting. It's the same. Same pictures. Don't know what that was about. Same bio, same okay. pictures. Exactly. It, did you find the fact that you had to start the conversation with all the guys a little bit difficult or was there just no matching at all? Um, I, I don't particularly like having to start the conversation. Like I will, if I must, um, but there was just very little matching for me. Hmm. So I don't know. Can you tell me more about that? Like I heard that the guys on Tinder, like sometimes they're just driving around and they're just swiping right on everything. And the way that they like match with something is basically if a woman says like, yes to them, then they're like, okay, I'll talk to you. Like they're not really looking like at anything in particular on Tinder. They're just saying yes, generally. And if somebody matches with them, then they'll take a closer look. So maybe it's different on Bumble. Well, do you think that people are taking it more seriously on those apps? Probably. Okay. So they're not serious about you. I guess. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Well, so so tell me more about not wanting to start the conversation. Can you tell me why? Um, because I want to be pursued. I feel like I deserve that now. Like I'm just getting out of relationship and I want to feel wanted. You know, like okay. I and do you, you not know, think that a man wants that as well? Um, they probably do. But maybe but... I'm a little bit of a traditionalist in that sense. But sometimes like when I meet somebody or I see somebody that like, I really want to know, like, I'll go ahead and take the initiative. But if it's somebody that I'm just like, ho-hum about, or, you know, I don't know if I'm interested, it's, I'm less likely to take the first step. Oh, interesting. So if you, if you are interested in somebody, you will get over wanting to be be pursued and approach. Yes. But what about people who do approach you first that you may not have been overly enthused by do those people opportunity i mean what dazzle me basically and then do you ever turn around from your initial perception of that yeah Yeah, absolutely so the guy that you're seeing now Mm -hmm. from tinder were you immediately attracted to him and did you pursue him or was he somebody or how did it work it was very mutual and it was just like a random monday night swipe like i wasn't really looking i was thinking about deleting the app because i'm like this is this requires a lot of like attention and time that i don't necessarily want to put into it um and i you know it was just like swiping through i'm like oh that guy like is cute enough i guess like let's see the profile i'm like okay you know nothing majorly offensive. And then we just started talking and the conversation just went really well. It was really easy, funny, funny enough, you know, and then things just kind of went on from there. Would you say that the conversation is more important than the actual profile? Much, much more important. In what way? Because looks like will get you so far. But for me, having a personal connection is really the most important thing. Like, not only do I want you to be okay to look at, but I really want you to, like, tickle my brain. Like, really, like, make me want to talk to you, excite me in some way that isn't, like, necessarily physical. And by having great banter and, you know, showing me how intelligent you are, that is, like, really a massive turn on. Like, you can be really cute, which I've encountered, but a total dum-dum. And it's, like you know, kind of a waste. Cause I know that there's nothing that could really happen from there. Well, can you tell me a bit more about, cause you, you mentioned the word dazzle me and I think you said tickle me or something. Tickle like, my heart. What, 
tickle my heart. What, what, what did those things mean? Like when you were just describing the fact that you want somebody who is intelligent, show me how intelligent you are. Does that mean that he should, you know, re- recite the periodic table? What, what does that actually mean? It means just like, show me who you really are. And if you're intelligent, because I know that intelligence for me is really important, which is different than being educated. But you have to, you know, know what you're talking about, have some sort of, I don't know, backing to what you're talking about, not just like general jabber, you know, and you have to know how to ask questions. Really having a perspective and really having a point of view, basically. Yeah. 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 Not kind of. Does it matter about what they're talking about? No, it it doesn't matter. matter. Okay. So intelligence could be, they could be talking about, you know, a recent documentary or even just romantic comedy on Netflix. Right. It doesn't have to be about a particular topic. It doesn't even have to be like something shared. But if you can demonstrate that you, um, you know, like have some sort of like, not even expertise, but if you're like confident in what you're talking about and you're able to pull from your life experience and communicate that in a confident way, that is important to me. So could you give me an example of something like that? Let's see. Like... Hmm. Yes. Okay. So I, I know went, you're on your phone now. So okay. Right. So I went out on a date and we had nothing to talk about. Like, you know, it was just really like surface, like, Oh, have you done this before? Have you done that before? Yeah. Like kind of the getting to know you thing, but like, no, I, I, like, I think that's the, God. that's the elementary school uh, phase of dating. And that's so mm-hmm. unappealing to so many women. It's like, right. you know, you meet a friend when you're eight years old or 12 years old and they're like, what's your favorite color? Mine's blue. What's your yeah. favorite color? It's like that kind of conversation does nothing for anybody. So it's just this exchange of kind of dweeby information that you did right. 20 years ago. So that that's, yeah. I think, what you're talking about, being like a wet noodle and not really having a perspective. Right. right. But if you're yeah. able to communicate, you know, like, like basically like, I want to get to the meat of it. It's like, so why are you here? Why are you also on Tinder? Or like, what do you, you know, like what exactly, what, what are you doing here? You know, and if they're able to pull from their experience and communicate like authentically, that's what I want. Or if they're able to communicate something from their past experience that they feel really strongly about, I want to know that. Like, I like that. Uh-huh. Like just being um, unapologetically yourself comes through in any kind of conversation. And I like that. And in like a wet noodle conversation, if that is unapologetically you being yourself, I'm not interested. Interesting. So can you give me an example of, of, of a version that does tickle your heart a little bit? Somebody that does. Like I want somebody who tickles my brain, like not even my heart. It tickles my brain. Like makes me like, ask me a question that actually makes me have to think about it. It's not like, you know, just a... So for example. Like, for example, let me try to think of something. I want to come up with something really good. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. like, like this guy that you are seeing now, what did he yeah. specifically say or do? Or what was the first uh, interaction like that made you go, ooh, okay. Um, he pointed out to me that I'm like a dominant person in a relationship. He's like, oh, you're an alpha person. And I'm like, fuck, am I like, I, I don't really think I am, but okay. And then he's like, no, like from what you've been able to describe to me and like doing X, Y, and Z, like you were clearly this way. Like, how did you not know? Like, oh man, maybe I really am. Right. So, 
So that's like a little, I think that's in a way, even though that's a smart, intelligent statement, I think there's a little playfulness in that and a little, uh, a little challengingness in it mm-hmm. as well. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. you're this and you're like, oh really, am I? But then you're like, maybe I am. And then you can kind of be introspective and have a back and forth and debate whether or not he's right. And, um, if someone said that to me, I think I would, I would like that as well. I would, mm-hmm. I would be like, okay, this guy's, he's reading, you know, he's insightful or he's actually seeing past just, you know, the, the greeting that we just had and actually looking into who I might actually be. And then, and then right. that will make your yeah. brain perk yeah, up. Well, that, that's what I was going to say is that he's looking a little bit deeper and trying, not trying to understand you, but that he does, he sees you in a different way. He's not just seeing the surface level, mm-hmm. M- mainly because what you said in the beginning is that he's asking the right questions so that he can see those things. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing that in your conversation, he wasn't just saying, hey, what do you do for work? What do you like to do? Blah, blah, blah. What do you do on the weekend? Right. He was right. asking not like actually like that now that allowed it's you like- to open three, up and express like three yourself. dates in six weeks like since like we met like I finally asked him like hey like actually I don't know what do you like to do for fun because like we just didn't have the opportunity to talk about that really yeah so you, which you is basically kind of dove strange. right into semi-serious conversation yeah because that's just both of us being our authentic selves like we don't like small talk or banter. Like I don't really care that much about what you do for work. I want to know what you do that like makes you feel like a whole person, you know, like what's fulfilling because usually work isn't that. And were you like this when you were dating in your twenties? I definitely was not, you know, I thought I was serious, but like what I was looking for in my twenties and what I'm looking for now in my thirties are different things. Cause I know more about like what makes a person like a wholesome person that I want to actually get to know and spend time with. Like I have more of a clear idea of what, like all these different elements, all these different facets that make a person, a person that I didn't even know like existed before. Right. Well, because you weren't fully a person. Exactly. And I'm still working on it. Like I'm, you know, it's absolutely in progress. And, you know, every day I'm learning about a new facet of myself and I'm learning about, you know, what else I should also be looking for or, you know, what matters to me. And once you have a better idea of what those things are, you can look for them more effectively. Well, what are those things for you now? So I want somebody who has stability, who honestly knows themselves, what makes them you know, upset, what makes them happy? Like, are they comfortable being alone? How do they problem solve? What happens when life is shit? Like, what do they do then? Like, I, I want to know do- all of those things. And how do you figure that out in dating? Oh, I don't I just know. cut out for Like you ask. <laughs> you cut, you cut out for a second. But so, but how, how do you find these things out? Like, so on your first date, do you start, do you sit down and say, so, you know, tell me about your most recent negative experience and how you handled it or how how do you have that conversation and see those things without being, you know, a Debbie Downer? Right. How do you how do you get that information for yourself? So in this situation, it just organically developed. I don't even like I didn't go in with a game plan of like I want to find out these things and ask. Like they just kind of evolved. Like, I don't even know how I assessed all of this, but part of it was because like, that was the information that he was providing to me without me even asking. Did he provide it in a way that he was 
complaint. Like, I just, I just want to understand how he put forth that information to you to so, say that he was stable, reliable, you know, could handle a tough conversation, didn't walk away from challenges. How, how was that displayed to you? So part of that was, I guess, with the one question that I really asked him, because he's like kind of like a stranger, strange, unusual person in that he's not afraid to be himself, like goofy, serious, all these things. So I asked him at dinner, I'm like, so how long have you been unapologetically yourself? And his answer was two years. And I said, what happened? That's interesting. So, I mean, I guess it's kind of like a odd question to ask you know, from my, my part, but he had a good answer, which was two years, which indicated to me he knew. And he didn't think that it was such an odd question because he knows that he's living his like most authentic self. What was his answer out of, out to of curiosity? Um, two years ago, he got out of a, like a long-term marriage and he was really unhappy for a lot of it. And he tried his best to make the best of it like many of us do and life is just too short for that so he's just being himself and doing what makes him happy and that's it i want to steer the direction of the the conversation for one second to your divorce if you're okay with that yeah of course okay well i i wanted to ask you because i know a lot of guys that listen to this podcast or go to my website um, work with me they have either been recently divorced or, you know, divorced for some time now, but may still be stinging Mm -hmm. from the divorce because the wife has requested for the divorce to happen. I know that you can't speak to all divorces, Mm -hmm. but where, where do you think that marriages tend to break between men and women? I'll tell you right now. It's where... Okay. It's when someone leaves cupboards or drawers open and doesn't close them. I think that that's probably <laughs> right? the number one that's cause of I think of that's the beginning point as well. That's the number that's one the gateway. Cause. I kind of agree with that. That's the number one cause of divorce. Second is adultery, but number one is definitely cupboards for sure. Is Ikea number three? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, that actually might be number one. <laughs> I might stand corrected. <laughs> um, for me in my experience, you know, like we were married for 10 years, which is, you know, a long time together for 11, yep. um, things really started to deteriorate when we had kids. And part of that, you know, now I realize my now ex was really a dependent person. And the fact that I had to devote my attention to two other little people and not him was really hard. And I don't think that any of us recognized that at the time. And I also believed that because we were embarking on this new phase of our life together, that just as part of me that I didn't know existed was growing and like really flourishing, that part of him would do the same thing, you know, as like taking on his role as a parent. And that didn't happen. Do you so, think that that's common for a lot of people? I don't know. I think it's situation? common for people who are dependent in relationships, that's going to be really hard when you add another human into it that requires all the attention that you really desire. Well, what do you mean by all the attention? So when you have a baby, they require you to fulfill every single one of their needs. And if your partner has been the sole heir to all of your attention for years leading up to that, that's really going to be hard for them to deal with. And even, you know, though I thought I was doing an okay job, tending to 
two kids and a husband. Apparently I wasn't. So, you know, I wish that would have been communicated to me earlier. And I also wish that I would have identified that, you know, I was involved in a dependent relationship. But, you know, now I know that I need somebody who is also independent because I'm more independent and I need to focus on the things that make my life, you know, go and not necessarily fulfill the need of another person, which, you know, there's room for that, but I have to look out for number one and my two littles, which are number two and number three. Is there, aside from telling you that that's what he was experiencing and how he was feeling, is there a discussion that you wished you could have had with your husband or, or different roles that you both took on that you wish you could have talked about prior to having children yeah. that you think may have altered this? Yes. So what, what would that so have been? It probably would have been about, you know, are we going to be approaching this new phase of life together as traditionalists or as like more modern people like that have more like rule flexibility? So I was going in under the assumption that, you know, I'm going to be the mom. I'm going to be making a lot of the decisions. I'm going to take care of house. You bring home the bacon and, you know, we'll do it that traditional way. But I think that because we live in this specific time and place, we are really stuck in between this old model and this new model where, you know, gender rules are completely flexible and both people can work or the husband can stay home and the wife can work. But because we didn't really take time to discuss that, I think we both got confused and expectations just really got messed up because we're stuck in that middle of wanting things to be traditional, but also there's no way for that to happen. Okay. No, that makes complete sense. Was there resentment on your side that you were talking about? (laughs) Yeah. Um... Resentment just comes with marriage. That's what, like, when you do your vows, (laughs) they just give you a side of resentment. They're like, (laughs) that's honestly, I had a, I had a crazy conversation with my neighbor the other day, and I was talking about, you know, the struggles of having two young children and it affecting your relationship. And I said, oh God, when does like that love come back? Because she has kids who are about, you know, five years older than my kids, and she goes, to be honest, all my girlfriends have not had sex with their husband in. Years. Oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. And I said, well, how many people do you know that are on their second marriages and so happy? And she goes, oh my God, so many. Mm-hmm. So it was, just, it was just like an interesting comment that th- this, this te- as Kristen was just saying, this tends to happen. There is resentment right. in place. So there this is. is and you know, not- I am trained as like a marriage and family therapist and as a psychologist. So I know that marital satisfaction takes a massive dip during child rearing years and it goes up after your kids leave the house. But that is a long time to stay put. Yeah. I just, so I just how, can't so believe actually, how many people are willing to have children. It's like, <laughs> this is going to ruin your life. It's going to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars. People are like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I want to do it. Sure, sign me up. It's so bizarre. Yeah. And I, I, you, you honestly I know, I don't so. even know what you sign up for until the kid's already out and like walking. So you're already two years deep. Right. Right. But it's like, you right. go and into like, it knowing, Shit, like, what did I do? Yeah. I mean, you hear stories, there's some knowledge to it. You have to know a little bit that this is going to be freaking hard. And I know people know that, but the, the willingness in which basically, I mean, and that's human nature. That's why our, our, uh, you, 
race of humanity still exists because everyone's willing to do it. It's just so always surprising to me because, you know, you hear all those things about how unhappy everyone gets. And well, you always think that you you can do it better than everybody else. Like even for me, you not know, me. delivering a child, I was like, screw that. I don't need an epidural. Right. I, I, these was are just complaining about the pain. As soon as I felt an inch of that pain, I was like, give me that fucking epidural. Like I was (laughs) screaming at people in the delivery room, making sure that I didn't have to deliver without an epidural because I was freaking out how much pain (laughs) I was in. So I think that that's the same thing with marriage. You're like, I can do it. And then I think that's why you also, you stick in it. Sometimes yeah, I mean, everybody enters the relationship I can do that it. theirs is going to be strong and they can make it through and, you know, they have the wherewithal to, you know, grit their teeth and bear it sometimes. And sometimes it's not all yeah. up to you. There was actually an article exactly. that came out yesterday that said uh, millennials are uh, making the divorce rate go down. And I think that's just because they haven't been married long enough in order to keep the divorce rate <laughs> level because it's like, give it time, give it right. time. But according to whatever the study is, is that people are finding ways to be happier in marriage because they're more in touch with their emotions. And I don't know. They t- well, and they're going to therapists. Right. They're doing like a lot more things self-care. that yeah. help. Yeah. Yeah. And then and, and the truth is, is that those things are really important for the survival of a marriage. And and mm-hmm. all these articles that are out there and people speaking out about it, they, they give tons of tools that do help because it is. Life is very difficult in general. And as you get older, it becomes more challenging and more difficult, a little bit more lonely as well, because um, you realize that you are in it by yourself and that we're in the stage now where it's okay to seek advice and help for help and guidance and to talk to people about these things, which is why I think the divorce rate is going down. I think, you know, other things are going up, but the divorce rate is definitely going down because people are sticking it out longer and trying to work on these. Well, and they have the general understanding that it's going to be rough. Ironically though, depression is going up and the divorce rate's going down. So I (laughs) think there's the link. Maybe. That's what I was going to say, but then I wasn't, I didn't know if that was accurate. No, yeah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Anyway, okay. We, we are going to take a quick little break, but we'll be back after this. So many things are inevitable in life. We're going to die inevitably. We are going to have bad days inevitably. And a lot of dudes are going to lose their hair inevitably. But unlike death or bad days, we can prevent hair loss And I want you guys to take action over your lives and fix your hair if it's starting to affect you and if you're seeing it slowly recede, slowly it just disappears into nothing. But you can do something before it disappears into nothing. You can go to forhims.com slash wants and get all this amazing stuff that we've talked to you about before. A lot of our listeners have done it. And that's why forhims.com keeps coming to us to talk to you guys. So if you've been listening and hearing this ad and not going to do this, you will kick yourself in a year when you're in a place where you can't get that hair back that you could have saved today. So go to forhims.com slash wants. Our listeners get a trial month for just $5 today right now while supplies last. See their website for full details. This would cost you hundreds if you went to a doctor or pharmacy. And plus, no awkward in-person doctor visits. So go to forhims.com slash wants. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash wants. Forhims.com slash wants. All right, we are back. I wanted to, uh, before we get going on answering questions for overanalyze this, I wanted to just say thank you to uh, the team over at Ridge Wallet. Uh, this person who coincidentally happened to live down 
the street from me owns this company called Bridge Wallet. They had reached out to me and said, um, would you like a free wallet of theirs? And I, of course, said yes, because I love free stuff. And then he asked for my address. I gave it. And then he said, I happen to live down the street from you. I will walk it down. He handed this amazing wallet to me because I, I know Kristen knows this. Maybe Meredith knows this too. I don't actually carry a purse. I carry this like thin little wallet with me. And this happened to be another version of that thin wallet. And it's a freaking good wallet. So I said to him, thank you so much for giving this to me. I will tell people who listen to my podcast about it. And if they're interested, they can go and purchase them. But today you get 10% off with free worldwide shipping by going to ridgewallet.com and using code WINGIRL at checkout. Uh, that's all you got to go do and go check out the wallet. Anyway, now we are going to get to questions from our listeners, if you guys are open to it. Let's do it. All right. Okay, good. All right. So um, I wanted to talk to Meredith. Mm-hmm. And I think we've talked, We've I've actually asked this question before on the show, but I left it in here because... I thought it could be interesting to hear her point of view. Um, But the question was, I wanted to suggest providing commentary on approaching shy women in one of your shows. Thanks, Mike. And I'm saying this because I don't actually know if Meredith is shy, but I will say that in the beginning, you're, you're not like, Hey, let's be friends. Let's talk to each other. You, you, I would think for guys, you definitely have like a bit of a boundary in place. So how how do guys approach you? I know we talked a little bit about it at the beginning of the show about how they write to you, but out in public or even online, because maybe you are a little bit more shy or maybe have more of a boundary up in place, how would they how do they approach you? And and if you are being shy, how do you, how does a guy spot that you're being shy compared to uninterested? Oh, such a good question. So tough. Um, let's see, mm-hmm. getting a, pro- like, I don't really get approached a lot in real life. Like I get the honk honk, like, Hey, you're looking good today. You know, whistle from the car. Like, come on. Has that ever worked for anybody? Um, Me? But, no, just- <laughs> but you know, like occasionally like here and there, somebody random will like approach and it's uh very strange because it's like out of nowhere. And I usually don't think I'm looking that great. Um, but I'm trying, I, <sighs> How would they differentiate between me being shy and um, not or not interested? Um, usually, if I'm not interested, I just say, "Yeah, I'm not interested," or "That's not going to work." But you know, if I'm if the person's shy, you know, there's going to be like not a lot of eye contact, looking down at the ground, like some reluctance. So guys don't necessarily need to take it as not inter or disinterest, but just recognize that like some of those like physical signs are going to look the same in both situations. You know, the person could be shy, but they're giving off like a vibe of don't talk to me just because they don't know how to handle that conversation or they don't know know, know the difference. I think you just have to keep, keep it going and give the number. And if the person takes the number, then great. That person was shy, not disinterested. Do you think that guy should give you their number? I mean, it's happened to me before. And do you call? Um, no, not really. <laughs> not usually. Okay, I mean, but it, do you... it's, it's happened. But, you okay. know, like, I don't usually get approached by random strangers. It's like somebody that I kind of know or have like some sort of, like, I might have some sort of like light dealing with. So there's already an exchange. Okay. I don't know. That's, but, a, that's a tough so thing. You, 
But so people who have given you their numbers in the past, so going back to the front end of the show Mm -hmm. where you talked about, um, you know, wanted, wanting to be dazzled or, you know, you didn't really like the approach part. Mm -hmm. What do you think about guys handing you their number and saying, call me? I like the confidence. Like if I'm interested, then I'll call. And if I'm not interested, then I'm not going to. But I do appreciate the confidence that comes with that of like, here it is. I'm putting myself out there for you. And if you're receptive, call me. Okay. Yeah, there's something about that... confidence that is really important, at least for me. Okay. But do you think to yourself, I shouldn't be the one who's doing this? No. No? Okay. I just wanted to, I wanted to get like a lay of the land. Because mm-hmm. a lot of men get really frustrated with the fact that women don't do the approaching. They don't do the initiating. And, and my response to them is that there, a lot of women are told by men how emasculating mm-hmm. it is and how they can be seen as being too aggressive. And right. to be honest, they don't want to do it either. It, it takes them out of their feminine role. Mm-hmm. And they don't know how to finesse that so that it's feminine, which is why they don't do it. Right. So I wanted to understand from your point of view, like, do you, do you feel the same way? Like, I, I do feel the same way. Like, I don't necessarily like being the one who has to take the lead. Because like I said, like, part of me is like kind of a traditionalist in that way where I would prefer to be pursued. That's kind of the, one of the cultural things that's been fed to me my whole life. Now, of course, there's times where that just doesn't work and I'll do something. Like there was one Tinder guy that I was really interested in. We went out one time and I didn't hear from him. So then I took the lead. I'm like, hey, dude, what, what is going on? And I was like the one, you know, like persistently engaging. That didn't work out and it kind of took me out of my comfort zone, but it was something that I wanted to go after. So I just did it. Okay. So you will. You yeah. don't like it, but you will. Mm-hmm. It depends. It, it's all about pros and cons. You know, okay. so would this outweigh the personal discomfort, the temporary discomfort of me having to be the uh, person who's, you know, more aggressive, you know? Okay. And do you think that a shy person would feel similarly? Yeah. I mean, if they know what they want. You know, if if they're really interested, it really depends on how shy they are. Because I think that some shy people, it's not that they don't want social contact. They're just so afraid of being rejected that they don't really know what to do with themselves. Right. No, I I, I completely agree with that. Uh, Okay, next question. Hey, guys, love the show as always. Listen during work and it makes the workday go by way quicker. A quick and easy question. I just wanted to know. Is there ever a cool way to approach a girl while she's at work? Quite often, I'll see a cute barista, waitress, etc. But I don't want to come off as douchey, as I'm sure girls at these jobs get hit on constantly. I also don't want to be the stalker who seems as if I'm visiting them every time they're working. Any thoughts, tips? Thanks. T. <laughs> yeah, you definitely... <laughs> You definitely don't want to seem like the stalker. uh, But the good thing about being in a situation like getting coffee, like seeing a barista, is that people get coffee every day. That's not a weird thing. People hang out and drink their coffee. That's not a weird thing. So you can be there and let your presence known. You don't need to be hanging at the counter, you know, like trying to get her to have conversation with you the whole time. So you can say, hey, and uh, like you said, make yourself known. Don't annoy her. But when you're there every single day, she's going to get to know you. So there eventually will be a point where it's normal to start a conversation, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. I got asked out when I was in my 20s. I was a barista. And like this guy came in every day at the same time. I thought he was cute. He thought I was cute enough wearing my hideous uniform. 
And he asked me out. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And How we did he out. do it? What did he say? He he just said, hey, would it be okay if I took you out sometime? I'm like, yeah. And then it's like, okay, give me your number. And I'll like, I think this was even before texting. It's like, I'll call you. I'm like, okay. Did you give off a vibe before that at all that you were interested in him? I must have. Yeah. <laughs> I must have. I was probably a little bit smilier when he came in or was like slightly flirty, which happens sometimes without me even knowing. Right. Right. So I think you know, that whatever it was, he picked up on it and he's like, okay, I can ask this girl out. And it's probably going to be a yes. Yeah. I think if this guy isn't getting any cues whatsoever, I mean, Marnie would probably say, go for it. There's nothing to lose. You And, and I would agree with that. There isn't anything to lose really. But um, besides your dignity and the, your coffee place. But uh, if you if you're not getting a vibe from her at all and she's not maybe more smiley when you're there and and not maybe making eye contact, I would, I would move on. Oh, she's back now. Back. Okay. Wonderful. Sorry. Okay. You are back on the show. That's okay. I know Sorry. I was doing weird stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, but, but continue. So we were talking yes. or Kristen was talking about, um, the barista. Oh, we, right. You were saying that I would say, just go for it. I would yes. say, I would always say, just go for it. You never know what's going to happen on the other side. Mm-hmm. But I think that the main thing that Meredith was talking about was there was a mutual attraction and that it was mm-hmm. noticed that Meredith's behavior would change once he came in there. She would be different with him mm-hmm. than how she was with the other people. And that's something to definitely look out for and notice. <laughs> and that's based on straight attraction to a person, not really anything to do with their personality or knowing more about that person. That's just how they look. Right. Cause you know nothing besides their drink order. Exactly. But what you also can do to build on those two minutes that you have every single day is kind of like what you were talking about at the very beginning of the show, where you were saying to, to ask more poignant questions, to ask questions that make her think, to observe things about her. So if, if she's flustered one day or if she, I don't know, some, some sort of insight into who she is that you've been observing. If you can, in those two minutes, take notice of that in, you know, a positive way and helpful way, um, then that can help you guys form a deeper connection so that the attraction may not be based on pheromones or on just blanket attraction, um, but the attraction is based more on substance and something a little bit deeper. And when you do, do start to have that kind of rapport with a person, then there's more ground for you guys to actually take it to the next level. That's what I always think the biggest difference was for me. When I worked at a bar or when I worked at a club, people would talk to me, they would banter, it would be fun. Sometimes I'd be attracted to people, sometimes I wouldn't. But the ones who actually talked to me beyond about about, about things beyond the bar setting outside of those four walls and formed a real connection with me or a friendship were ones that I, I saw differently, that I actually had something with beyond work. So that, that would be my suggestion. So, you know, if you do see somebody at the coffee shop, give it five days to try to get to know more about them in those two minutes that you have while you're ordering your coffee. And sometimes a coffee order can tell you a lot about a dude. So if he's getting like a double frappuccino with skim milk, like you don't want to date him. So you could just go on the surface level of that. This guy was like, yeah. this guy was, um, 
what was it like a triple shot Americano? Oh, okay. So it was very, right. very that's a good, plain. Yeah, very that, plain. That's a that's a good one. That's like a masculine <laughs> order. A manly yeah. drink. Very masculine order. But that's that's the thing also that you can go on on that as well and build something more uh, surrounding the order. Right. That it's just all about kind of hard. If you're the one making the order, that's the. I know, but if she's the one behind the counter, then it's harder. Like if you're behind the counter and you're flirting with a customer who's coming in, then you can start to tease and play around with. But he could also say, I'm going to have my triple Americano. Uh, aren't you glad I'm not the type who gets the triple Frappuccino skim milk plus soy for some reason, soy milk also. Like, oh, or hold right, this. like hold yeah. extra yeah. hot, da, da, da. I want the, the, I want the cappuccino, but I don't want any foam, which is not a cappuccino. Right. Or like, you can even make a funny joke, like, Hey, how many of these like uniform shirts do they really give you? Or, oh, yeah. you know, like, why are they always like triple XL when obviously you're a small, right. Right. You know? Yeah. I want these things. Okay. So again, you can have to throw some banter out there. I do remember this one guy that mm-hmm. was at Starbucks who I think had, I have him on the podcast or I had him. I had like an interview series that I used to do a long time ago. Maybe I interviewed him there. And when he got to the interview series portion, my crush totally went away and he was just like a real person. But when he was behind the counter at Starbucks, he was on fire. He was joking around with me. He was flirting with me. It was like his confident space. So if you are somebody who is behind the counter right now um, and you do want to flirt with your customers who come in on a regular basis, the the benefit to you is that you're in your comfort zone. It's your space. You own it. You know it. They're coming in to your space and you can play on that. Because I I was like in love with this guy. I had a total crush on him. Um, So yeah, I totally forgot about him. Uh, All right. Well, we actually have to wrap up the show. I, I wish we could you know, talk longer and answer more questions. But Meredith, thank you so much for for talking about yeah. things. I just love how like you're you're so open. And I I, I love I that. I have so about... much more to talk about. So anytime. Well then fine, you'll come back on the show Excellent. and you'll share more of your stories of, of dating people. Yes. Um I was going to say, do you have anything to plug? But I I assume you don't Not unless really. you want to, you know, do a plug for your children's preschool and asking people to donate. I don't know. Oh my God. Yes. Please donate all of your yeah. amazing stuff to the Westside JCC. Yeah. Don't come stalk my children exactly. there because they don't really go there. Right. Um, exactly. But exactly. yeah, you know, happy to be uh, here. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Kristen, thank you for, for coming on the show, even though you are in New York city, sadly. Okay. Um, but next time we'll, you know, get a little update from you about what's going on and how your life in New York City is going. But new episodes of the Ask Women podcast come out most Thursdays at 5 p.m. Pacific. It's going to be a little staggered as we're trying to figure out how to do this recording long distance. Uh, Next for us is trying out Zencaster. So if anybody has an experience with Zencaster, let us know how that has been for you. We will see you guys next week. 